Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to talk about love this morning. If you will grab your Bible app or your Bible wherever you are and flip, touch, turn, do whatever it takes to get to that passage, that's where we're going to be. I was reading through this this week, preparing for this, and I I found an illustration that I think says the opposite of what I'm trying to say, but you'll get what I mean in a minute. And I want to share it with you as we start off. It's entitled, Strong Dose of Selfishness Okayed. Strong Dose of Selfishness Okayed. It says, Merv Anderson, reviewing Dr. Hans Sleeve's book, Stress Without Distress, states that the Montreal doctor prescribes a strong dose of selfishness as the best way of achieving a happier, saner society. Unbridled idealism, he suggests, is a cancerous curse. He even dares to attack one of the Bible's most celebrated injunctions. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He brands this as biological heresy. He asserts that the true true self-interest covers the full range of biological drives, and this includes man's social nature and his need to get along with others. His solution is altruistic egoism. This is simply a case of helping others for the selfish motive of deserving help in return. So instead of trying the impossible feat of loving your neighbor as yourself, you should be content yourself with earning your neighbor's neighbor's respect. So it kind of says the opposite. It kind of leaves your head scratching, kind of going like, that's like the opposite of what we we teach. That's the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be loving our neighbor. We should be helping others. But unfortunately, that illustration is something that is all too common in the society we're in now. Everybody is seemingly after their own gain or serving for something they can get in return. But we know the biblical account we're going to share today, love changes everything. Love is the motivation. Love is the reason we do all things. So in this passage, you heard earlier, the wonderful kids share the passage and they shared it from the New, New International Version, but what I'm going to share is going to be New American Standard, so you'll have to make the differentiation on that. But, um, but the first thing we, we learn in this passage is that love must be the motivation behind all things. It says if we do anything else, it is just making noise. And if we don't use the gifts that we have, then we are nothing. So our motivation matters. Why we do what we do matters, and how we do it really matters. So it matters, but you have to first define what love is and what love isn't. In verses 4 through 8, it really goes into that. 
And it, and it talks about love in effect of what, what it all is about. And for the sake of time, I, I, I would normally not read, but it's important that we have a definition of love if we're going to make application to this. If, if we understand verse 4, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag, it's not arrogant, doesn't act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, there will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Love, we see in this passage what it is and what it isn't. Love is not selfish. Love is something that seeks others and their needs as greater than our own needs. It seeks to serve. It seeks humility within our character. What we have to be about is serving others and their needs and looking to their needs. Truly, we have to love our neighbor. We have to love those in need. We have to help and we have to serve. Love is what is the motivator in this. So knowing what love is and what love isn't, as stated in verses 4 through 8, is vitally important. Now we also understand, thirdly, there are things that change. Everything changes. Day to day, week to week, moment to moment, life is full of changes. You and I can sit there and probably just put our feet in the sand and say, I'm not moving, I'm not changing, I'm not doing anything different. But this season of life that we're in right now has forced the majority of us to live life differently than we ever have before. To do things differently than we ever had to do in our lifetime. And it has changed us in so many ways that I think we will learn about over time just how much more so it has drawn us and it should have drawn us closer to who we should be in God. As we have unpacked the things of this world we're unable to engage in, and the people we're unable to be around, it should have had us focus more in on our identity in Christ. So we know that things change. In verses 9 through 12, it says that we don't know the full picture of things. We don't know all the things that we ought to know, but we know in part what we should do. And we know that we are to put aside childish things as we grow, as we learn more, as we mature in our faith. And it kind of lends you and I to say, am I the same at the same level of spiritual understanding that I was when I first began to know Christ? You and I need to be growing in our knowledge and understanding, in our devotion, in our service, in the way that we love others, in the way that we move from ourselves and feeding ourselves to feeding others, spiritually speaking. But also, there are a lot of needs that as we serve through the many different outlets in our church, like God's Warehouse and so, and so many others, they're hungry for food. Yes, they come for those basic needs, but they walk away with a fullness 
because in meeting those basic necessities, they feel the love of God and they feel the hearts of those serving and they get more than just sustenance for the day. They get spiritually fed for the future. It is a great understanding for us. The more things change, it is not for us to to just hold back. We need to embrace change that leads to spiritual growth, that leads to a greater understanding of God's will, that leads for us to love well, to love those different than us, to love those that don't believe and do the things that we do. Yes, those. We need to love and love well. The person of Jesus embodies this. Jesus met with people that you and I might consider dirty. People that we might consider their lifestyle to be something that is just abhorrent to us, just puts us back and says, you know, I'm not going to engage with those people. I'm not going to go over there because they do. And we give the whole bunch of reasons why we don't engage and go to those places. But I'm telling you, folks, Jesus went where no one else went. He dined with people that you and I wouldn't dine with. He stayed with people on his travels that you and I wouldn't stay with. And there were so many religious people that questioned why he did what he did. But fortunately, we know that Jesus got his direction from the Almighty God. And his purpose was to seek the lost that they might be saved in him. Love was the motivation. He saw past their sinfulness and saw the worst of humanity and loved on them, died for them, and rose from the grave for them, for all mankind. Not just the squeaky clean, not just the ones who who barely messed up, everybody, in all places, at all times. We have to fully engage and understand that there's change that needs to happen. And when we understand the big thing and the bigger picture is that the world is crying for a revival. They're crying for a spiritual awakening that I believe is happening in the, in the very epicenter of what we're going through right now. Now you can choose to sit at home and talk about what you don't have and and really focus in on that, or you can choose to engage in God's plan for this world and what's going on all around you, and you can take a leap of faith and grow in your world knowledge of what's happening, but also your biblical mandate to go there for. Yes, we can't go in person, but how many of you can still share the gospel message? How many of you can still help others in need? How many of you can still serve those around you? How many of you can still tell the good news? And there's so many of us that are spending time online, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, through innumerable different apps that are out there. And we spend so many hours they were kind of surprised at how much time we're spending right now. But in how many hours are you addressing those in your life that you need to love well? 
And how many hours are you telling the good news to a captive audience that is hungry for the Word of God, that is thirsting for that righteousness, that is looking for answers in the midst of all of this, and they are looking for you and I. They're looking for you and I to be the Christians and the believers that they know that Scripture lays out, that they've always heard about. They're waiting for us to love them and love them well. So things are going to change. And we have to understand that we might not fully see the picture going on right now. We might see part of the picture. But at some point, we will understand. We will understand what's most important. Scripture lines out in verse 13. It says this. It says, But now, faith, hope, and love abide these three, But the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. Love is the greatest. It's it's an understanding that you and I, as we think about love being the greatest, that we are not to get distracted or wrapped up in all of these things which are unimportant in comparison. Nothing should stand in the way of God's will in our lives. It is the ability to love and to love well. We are not to love as we feel or when we get around to it or on every other day. We are to love because we have been loved. And we are forgiving because we have been forgiven much. And we are serving because of what we have been served in our lives. We do all of these things with the motivation that the gospel is getting transformative in others' lives. So this morning, I want you to really ask these things of yourself. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching today, I want you to ask these questions of yourself. What motivates me to be who I am and do what I do? What motivates you to be who you are and do what you do? What motivates you? It should be the love of Jesus Christ that motivates you to be more than you are, to grow more, to serve more, to love with out judgment to love through the lens of Jesus Christ who saw humanity in its most depraved state and still chose to die for them for us for you and I for all times so why can't we love as the motivator in our lives what motivates you Secondly, how does our definition of love radiate into all areas of our lives? A moment ago, we spoke of love about what love is and the attributes of love, biblically. But for us, our understanding of love, it moves into all areas of our life. Because if we understand biblical, godly love bestowed upon us by Jesus Christ, then we begin to see the needs around us. And instead of saying, 
I can't address those needs or, or, or having some bias within ourselves, we begin to love like Jesus. We begin to embrace others like He would embrace others. Not that we're saying that what they are engaging in and the sins of the world are okay or fine or we're giving a check mark on them. That's not what it is. It's saying that Jesus died once and for all for whosoever would believe in Him that they might obtain eternal life. We understand that you and I, we are not the judge. Only God does that. You and I are meant to love. You and I are meant to love without exception. Thirdly, on the topic of change, not everyone copes with change well. On this morning, how are you coping with the change that has happened all around you? This change, this pandemic, this time where you didn't have any choice in making that, How are you dealing with this change? Some of us cope well and thrive in things not being the same. Some of us cope well by things remaining the same and getting in a routine. For some of us, it throws us in a tailspin and might cause anxiety and stress to reach an all-time high. How do you cope with change? I believe truly that there's some change that needs to happen in our life in order to facilitate growth. There are some times such as this in our life where we deal with fight or flight. We deal with with focusing in on us or focusing in on God. Allowing for this to shut us down or allowing for God to be at a point in our life which He should have already been. Some of us are using this time in our life and saying, rightly so, do I have a Savior? Do I know Jesus Christ? I've heard so many people say something about this, and maybe many of you have watched so many different church services trying to find truth. But you'll never fully engage nor understand until you embrace the love of Jesus Christ, the salvation through repentance that is offered there that is afforded to each one of us. Even you who may be sitting there, standing there, looking there, whatever you're doing right now, and say, you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've been. See, the difference between what I know and what God knows is a great expanse. I can't stand here and say this morning, I know everything you've been through. But God sees past all the things and sees the heart of mankind. So God knows what you've done, where you've been, the choices you've made, what you should have done, and He chooses to love you anyway. So I want you to understand just how much this morning you are loved and you are treasured by the Most High God. Regardless of what you have done, He loves you even still. In the, in the great expanse of everything that you've allowed to pile up on yourself, don't let the world around you say you've done too many wrong things to have God's love in your life. The fact is that Jesus, at your worst point, at my worst point, 
died for you. So engage in what God's doing in your life right now. And if He's calling for you to change by accepting Him as Lord and Savior, repenting of what you have done, and finding a fresh hope in Him, then my challenge is for you to do that right here, right now. Fourthly, it said that there are three that remain. In verse 13, if you're keeping up with it, faith, hope, and love. Faith. Maybe that's a new topic for you. Faith is the belief in the unseen and the innate trust that Jesus is in control. Faith is a belief in the Almighty at all places at all times, even when we can't see. Faith is a trust that we have with Him. Hope. Hope. Nothing compares to the hope that you and I have in Jesus Christ. Hope of what? Eternal life. Hope of redemption from this life. Understanding that that He will return one day. That we're never ever alone. And the power of the Holy Spirit is what endures until the return of Jesus Christ. If you want to go further, look in the book of Revelation. Read into what is going to happen. And understand this, for all of you who, who, who just kind of freak out during these times, you're never alone when Jesus is with you. Jesus promises that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. When He was still here with us before He ascended, He said, I'm going to send a helper. And that is the Holy Spirit. So you have a connection to the Almighty God that is unbreakable and unshakable no matter what we're facing. That is our hope. And lastly, love. Christ's followers should be known by our love for one another. How do you and I love others well? And if if love is the greatest of all three, how can we abstain from focusing on matters that are so insignificant by comparison? that you and I might love with the heart of Jesus. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we can allow for so many things to gain our focus, and we can dwell on things. And if we allow ourselves, we can dwell on things which are not eternal, which don't really matter, which don't last, and we fail to see the everlasting things, the things which God is doing that we ought to be loving one another, that we ought to be serving one another, reaching out to one another, that we ought to be embodying these characteristics that are in this passage, that we ought to love and love well, not for our own selfish gain, but for the, for the gain of Jesus Christ in our lives. See, there's a unique gift that we all have. This illustration gives us. A friend told me of an extraordinary manufacturer who gave each one of his employees a hanging mirror and a handsome reproduction of the head of Christ for Christmas one year. The Christian businessman presented the gifts personally with these instructions. He said, hang the mirror on one side of the room and, picture, and the picture of Christ directly across the room so that when you look into the mirror, you see the face of Christ along with yours. Then this pensive admonition. It is going to take both to get you through. 
chances are you have tried and tried and tried to get through on your own. You're not going to be able to get through without Jesus Christ in your life. You can't manufacture enough, do enough, be good enough to ever get into the grace that you ought to have that He gives so freely. It's going to take Him in your life. He brings hope to those that are considering themselves nobodies. A little boy heard the noted American preacher, Howard Thurman, preach in India. One night after he and Miss Thurman had gone to bed, there was a knock at the door. Opening it, there stood a lad whose clothing marked him as untouchable. In broken but polite English, he said, I stood outside the building and listened to your lecture. Doctor, tell me, please, can you give me some hope? Can you give some hope to a nobody? Whereupon the Indian boy dropped to his knees in admiration and reverence as a compassionate black Christian attempted to communicate the meaning of Christ's invitation. He said from Luke 14, 17, Please come. Everything is now ready. There's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope in the name of Jesus who extends that offering of grace, of mercy to anyone, anywhere, anytime that might call on His name. Love makes the difference in this life. And this world is going to give you a message of taking care of your own. But I'm telling you the message of Jesus Christ is so different than that. Jesus calls us to love the least of these, to love those that are unlike us, to love those who have been through all kinds of situations that carry the burdens of this world and this life, those that are so scared of change that they don't change, those that are dealing with issues and concerns right now that I may never, ever understand or know, but He does. He sees directly into your heart and knows your greatest need right now. First and foremost, your greatest need is to be loved without measure. To be loved as Jesus loved you enough to die for your sins. To pay that price that you and I could not pay. That you might have hope, forgiveness, and freedom in Him. If you were here this morning and you don't know Him as Lord and Savior... Why not today? Why not now? You don't have to be here in this church because we know that He is everywhere at all times. Call on Him where you are as I pray in just a moment. If you're a Christian believer on this day and you've been so focused, laser in on your own needs that you failed to love with the attributes of Christ, Maybe on today you want to drop to your knees and say, say, God, forgive me that I've neglected the needs around me, that I've failed to see you in the center of all of what's going on. I've been focused on me. And in a world that calls you to focus on me, I've forgotten what it means to be loved, and I've forgotten to love well. Friends, we ought to look totally different when this pandemic is over, then we looked going into this. And we ought to look more like Christ. 
And we ought to become more like him, that we might reach more people in his love and his might. It's the power of God that changes everyone and everything. Don't be afraid of change if God's doing something in your life, which I believe he is. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.